0: Well hi again everybody it's Jungle Jim Jerome coming at you with a summer installment as we keep doing this oh no it's not summer I'm in Florida I thought it was Uh, this is inside curling (laughs) Uh, and if you just give me a moment Kevin and Warren I'm about to fill out these seven hours of paperwork to try and get back into Canada okay (laughs) (laughs) Kev you're with me Warren you're with me you boys ready we're ready Jim Always, Jimmy. Okay, let's uh, let's whip another one out. Stick around. Last rock, eighth end, up by two.
1: I
2: don't think I'm. I don't think I'm white. I don't think you are either. Oh, oh. it's clean. Oh, don't oh. kill it, Ben. Don't kill it. Don't
1: kill Line's it. Line's really good. Line's right on the button, guys. Right Last line. stone for Kevin Martin. They want it on the button. The sweepers are watching it fans are on their feet, Kevin Martin goes a, as a champion, cuts him to one, he will win his final Grand Slam, taking the Players' Championship, talk about putting an exclamation mark at the end of a career, all he had to do was cut him down, Kevin Martin can celebrate, he is a champion.
0: Okay, welcome everybody once again to Inside Curling. Uh, We'd like to thank all of our sponsors who are uh, supporting this podcast and certainly uh, Curling Sports Interaction. They bring you what is happening around the curling world. Nestle Boost, the sponsor of Mailbag. We've got Coyote Tractor on for Hot Rock Topics. Storytime, which we do each and every show, is sponsored by Meridian. And in the house when we have a guest, which we do today, is brought to you by Goldline. Here's what's on the show today, what's happening around the curling world. The briar starts uh, March 4th in a couple of days, so we're going to get everybody's picks. Sports interaction has put out some odds, uh, so this will be fun. We can start again, boys. Uh, Kevin, I, I think Kevin won the Olympics with all the picks. and uh,
2: Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I didn't tell you guys.
0: I, I did si- I did silent picks, okay, and I beat you all. Uh, I'll explain that to you yesterday. Rachel Holman's team, Joanne Courtney, has announced this week she's going to be retiring to to do other things and pursue a life uh, away from curling. Uh, We'll talk about that. And Grand Slam of Curling released its schedule uh, for the 2022-23 season. Uh, We're going to look at that and where all the events are going to take place. Hot Rock Topics, not a fun one, but it needs to be addressed about Russia attacking Ukraine. Uh, And we want to talk about that and how it's going to affect the curling world. We're going to dig into the email bag and take a look about possibly a new way we should consider playing the four-person team this is interesting i looked at it last night and in the house uh this guy's kicked up a little dust in the curling world um you know i don't know how (laughs) he just keeps winning (laughs) okay nick is going to join us the reigning olympic gold medalist kevin you got a story for us you're all set for that kev you got a good story oh absolutely people are leaning on you for these things so uh, thanks, everyone, for your emails. Uh, if you want to email us, go to insidecurling at gmail.com. Uh, keep them coming. We, we'd love to see them. Okay, let's get right to it. What's happening around the curling world is brought to you by Sports Interaction, providing competitive odds on all sports. Sports Interaction is Canada's odds maker. you got to be 19 years old, and we want you to play responsibly. Uh, so here we go. The Briar starts uh, this Friday in Lethbridge. Sports Interaction has already put up the odds. There are groups of three, and we're going to ask you, Kevin and Warren, what you think of those groups, first of all, uh, if they're all in the right place, and then you're going to give us your picks. Okay, Kev, let's go to you first.
2: Well, I think the top three are hard to argue with, with Brad Gushu, of course, uh, as a wild card, uh, Kevin Cooey, and Brad Jacobs. So... Obviously, you know, Brennan Botcher, you'd think, okay, well, that's a, you know, the defending champ. He's got to be in the top three. But he, of course, with Darren Moulding and and, uh, and Botcher splitting up and now team Botcher bringing on uh, Pat Jansen, who's a terrific curler, a really good second but you've got karik and brad at leading second so they're bringing pat in who's a second to play third that's a tough uh position to fill when you're not used to it so that's why i just i haven't put the botcher team in the top three because it's just i'm, I'm kind of excited to watch and see how how pat handles it but i think they're positioned properly in the second grouping um, as far as teams that could be in the wrong spots maybe uh, certainly, uh, with Darren Moulding at third, Team uh, New Brunswick, uh, Jimmy Gratton, I think they will be in your final in your final grouping at, uh, after the round robin is done. Don't count out Brent Pierce out of BC either. You know, a wily veteran and a past champion. Um, they could be tough. And then uh, Jamie Cooey out of the territories. Watch out for Jamie because he's got Glenn Kennedy, Mark's brother. Mark Kennedy's brother playing third. So a really good player that might be overlooked a little bit in Jamie Cooey's case. So I don't mind the groupings at all. Those are just three teams that I find, you know, they're, they're way down the list, but
1: I'm not sure they should be. Okay. Warren. I more or less agree with Kevin. I th- I think one team that might be a bit of a sleeper here is Scott Howard. Uh, that team has done a lot of winning uh, in the last couple of years. You may recall last year's Briar with Wayne Madaw skipping. They just about got into the final r- r- run. So, I think he's a bit of a sleeper. I I agree with Kevin. I don't think is going to do all that well. He's in the second grouping. I would suggest that possibly switching Botcher with Howard might be appropriate that uh, Howard should maybe be in that second bunch. I think uh, look at the rest of the groupings going all the way down, and I'm with Kevin. We look at who's on the bottom, who's in the bottom three. I got Jamie Cooey, Northwest Territories, and Thomas Scoffin, a Yukon. And I think both those teams are better than being in the bottom rung. I look at uh, Nathan Young of Newfoundland, which is uh, a junior team, and PEI's Tyler Smith, who we don't know much about either. I think those two teams should probably be in the bottom rung, and Cooey and Scoffin in the one above them. But other than that, I think sports interaction is uh, more or less in the right ballpark with uh, how they set things up.
0: Uh, Interesting, Warren, how you and Kevin have always said that there's there's not enough parity when the briar comes along, that there's teams who just don't have a shot, uh, and that is indicated in the odds that sports interaction gives you, gives us, for example, Brad Gushu is a two to one favorite, and Peter McKay is a two thousand to one favorite. Okay, so wouldn't it be something if the Yukon and none of it got in it? You're you're guaranteed, and you place bets on both, and you're you're guaranteed two grand if you bet a buck. Yeah. Well,
1: good luck with that one. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So, um, anyway, so Kev, let's go to you then. In the end, what what are your top three picks uh, in the Briar?
2: Now, one thing we
0: haven't considered,
2: and that's uh, the fatigue factor for Brad Gushu. They have been. Playing like crazy. They had a lot of stress on them to get on that podium, which they did, which was wonderful. But, you know, how tired are they? And, of course, I follow Brad, of course, on uh, social media. And they had trouble getting home with all the flights. and <laughs> Just chaos. You know, so, you know, how how tired is he? That's that's always a factor. Hard to argue with Kevin Cooey and Brad Jacobs, though. Um, both are going to play very, very well. So the, the wild card in the top three for me is, is is Brad. Not no pun intended, being that he is the wild card, but I think he's the wild card there because of just fatigue. If he plays like normal, they'll be fine. But he's going to run out of gas, or is he, is he is the tank already empty? Hard to say. So that'll be interesting to watch. But it's hard to to move anybody out of that top three um, as it sits right now because Matt Dunstone at at uh, at nine or ten to one is your next. Uh, one Well, that, that, that's a big separation from four to one, which is uh, Brad Jacobs. So it's, you know, it's, it's a kind of a three-horse race this year.
1: I agree. I, I believe uh, pretty much the same as you do, Kevin. Brad's going to be tired. I look at Cooey and I look at Jacobs. I'm saying neck and neck, but uh, I got a feeling of Jacobs. Those, those guys, great game in that trials final. And uh They've had a playoff just a couple of weeks back, so they've been playing a fair amount. They they had a bit of a struggle there, but they won it. So, I, I think they might be a good bet. But I, again, it's going to be very close between Kui uh, and Jacobs. I think with a question again, Gushu, if he can overcome the fatigue, uh, he'll be right there as well. So, those are the three guys, in my opinion.
0: Uh, so, long shots. Uh, you guys are you can't pick the, any of the three teams you just picked. So, we got to get a long shot, Kev. Who who would be your long shot to win the Briar? Somebody with experience but has
2: a really, really good third now and that's uh, Jimmy Gratton because he's, you know, he's been, he's put on a show before. Edmonton Breyer, 2013, he played fantastic. Um, He's capable, of course, back in the 90s too in Calgary um, at the Saddledome in 1997, he got to the semifinal. So uh, he can play but his team is usually not strong enough. Uh, But this time you've got uh, Darren Moulding at third. So I kind of think that's my... uh, if you want to call it a long shot, I'm not sure it actually is a long shot with, uh, with molding throwing third, but
0: if you want to call it a long
1: shot, that's who I'll take.
0: All right. Hanson, what's your pick for a long shot?
1: My pick is Scott Howard. Uh, Scott has more experience than we're probably giving him credit for. He's uh, the guy who skipped the team to the Ontario t- Championship. And uh, I think if those guys get it rolling, they could be right there. So he's my long shot.
0: Uh, is this the year for Mike McEwen to bust through? Well, Jim Jerome says yes, it is. Ah, all right. Jim okay. Jerome says yes, there it is. There we go.
1: <laughs> all right,
0: game on, trout bags. Game on. Okay, that's not that's <laughs> not
2: a bad bet. That's not a bad bet.
0: That's who I'm picking. Uh, so there you go. Uh, check out the Sports Interaction site, and you can lay down some bets. Again, UConn, two thousand and one. Um, all right, let's go. Uh on Rachel Holman's team is of course Joanne Courtney. She announced that she'll be taking some time away from curling to focus on her family and career. Uh, this is the start of the player shift that happens kind of every four years or sooner. Uh, here's her record: uh world champion in 2017, Olympics 2018, eight Grand Slams, seven Scotty appearances, Scotty Silver Medal 2019, 20, and 21 uh kev what's what say you when the, when a curler does step away when when people look at it and go you're kidding me i mean you're really good why why are you doing this right now well
2: and uh, yeah really good top of the game actually but you know what that's that's real life comes down to it and uh, good for joanne now uh, will she step away forever that's hard to say but obviously you know she feels she has to right now for for family reasons and and uh you know who knows what what they're thinking of course as a family but uh it's hard, like you know, that's a hard thing to do to to be on a championship team like she is, and you know, they travel all over the world, have a great time, and win a lot, and to be able to to go, oh, you know what, I'm going to put this on the back burner, I'm going to deal with the family. That's great, you know, well done, but hard to do, Jimmy. Oof.
0: Did you ever do it, Kevin, in your career? When you look back, did did you step away uh, at your peak or at any time? No, I certainly
2: didn't. No, I went hardcore from about 1980 six after uh, playing in the juniors right through till I retired in 2000 and uh, and 14 so no no all the way through or 2013 all the way through and uh so no uh but that's good good on Joanne like if she feels that she needs to it's a it's a tough grind and and especially if you've got kids and stuff and you know because she's on the road all the time um I don't know how many weeks they'd be on the road at a team like Holman's such a strong team and they'd be playing all over the world and lots of corporate events. Everybody forgets about the sponsorship agreements and, you know, the different uh, appearances that need to be made and and, and all the different speeches and all, all that stuff that's off the ice that people don't necessarily notice or see. So there's, you know, you're being pulled at by a different, a million different directions. So no, you know, it's, it's something that obviously she felt she had
0: to do and. And I'll support it for sure. Yeah, maybe it was your wife, Kevin, that said... I don't want you at home. Get back on the ice. <laughs> well, Jimmy, I'll tell you what, uh,
2: during COVID, there's no question she felt that way. Because ever since Sean and I met, I was always on the road curling. And all of a sudden, that year and a half of COVID, I was at home under her, uh, <laughs> under her feet all the time. <laughs> and oh, there was no question it was time for Kevin to get back on the
0: road. <laughs> sure. Uh, Warren, what, uh, what about your comments on this? And are there other teams that are making switches that we haven't heard of?
1: Kevin's maybe heard of some. I haven't. I'm sure that's going to start taking place here very shortly. I think in the next uh, month or so, you're going to see a bunch of uh, shuffling taking place, certainly after the briar is over. But uh, I haven't heard of any other major moves. But I think as far as Joanna's concerned, I'm sure she's reassessing many things. Uh, I kind of look back at my own curling career and I reached a point where I I was so involved with the sport in so many other areas it was becoming a burden and and I took a break from it and found out when I took the break that yeah I'd had enough I couldn't do it all and so didn't go back and and it may be very well what she's going to do here she's going to see how life is going to be without curling see how she feels mentally about it and I'm sure in a year's time or maybe even two she's going to say okay that's enough or she's going to say I want to come back so be interesting to see how that all plays out.
0: Uh, Warren the pin 80s grand slam of curling announced the schedule uh for the year uh the tour will have six stops tell us where the events are going to take place for next season
1: yeah real exciting congratulations to the people at the grand slam to get this all together and be able to get this announcement out i think we're all really looking forward to it so the first event will be in north bay ontario october 4th to 9th the boost national one of our sponsors in Grand Prairie, Alberta, October 18th to 23rd, the Hearing Life Tour Challenge. In December 6th to 11th, in Oakville, Ontario, the Masters. The Meridian Open in Camrose, where their office is, January 10th to 15th. Toronto, Ontario, the Princess Auto Players Championship, April 11th to 16th. In Regina, Saskatchewan, May 2nd to 7th, the Coyote Tractor Champions Cup. So, Kevin, what do you think about uh, that lineup, and maybe talk a bit about how the Slam determines where uh, where their events are going to go each year?
2: Well, yeah. Let's, first of all, let's talk about the locations because well, they're absolutely fantastic. So, yes, congratulations to the Grand Slam for picking these locations. North Bay is always just a winner. When it comes to locations, you got Grand Prairie, who's been on the docket, I think, and I shouldn't you know, talk out of, out of my hat, but I believe two years in a row where it got cancelled. And I know they're super stoked uh, to get an event in Grand Prairie, so that's going to be fantastic. Oakville's a no-brainer. In Ontario, it's a great spot. Camrose, you're right in the heart of curling country when you're talking about the Camrose area. I'm from about... 45-50 oh, minutes east of Camrose and, and it's just a ton of curling and lots of clubs so that's going to be a very popular event uh, and of course uh, Ryerson's uh, the Mattamy Athletic Centre the old Maple Leaf Gardens for the Players Championship that's always a hit for for uh, for fans but also for the corporate uh, community to come out and enjoy the sport and then Regina that is curling country. So um, a great list of cities can't, can't wait um, when it comes to bidding, though. I just wanted to touch on a few things that uh, when cities uh, bid on these events, because there's we've had some some emails and some communication with various people wondering why there wasn't an event in the Maritimes this year. And it's all a bidding process just so, so people know. Uh, The venue, they want it to be more than 1,400, between 1,400 to 3,000 uh, capacity. Um, So that's important. It's important also, if you think about all the teams, especially in the Tour Challenge case, where there's tons of teams, um, the building needs to have enough locker rooms. You need to have a PA system. You need to have room around the concourse for all the stats people. You need to have room for the social house and, of course, the Pinty's Pub, which is majorly popular uh, now. The most important. (laughs) Maybe the most important and a way to cook the wings, of course. And so you've got all of that you need. uh, As from the ice point of view, uh, you want to make sure that there's dehumidifiers in the building. You need the ceiling to be uh, 20 feet plus, Jimmy, and that's something very important. So you can put all the rigging up for the television cameras. Like, You've got to think about the uh, the ceiling being high enough. We've run into situations in the past where the ceiling wasn't quite high enough. And therefore, when the, the overhead camera hangs down from the rigging, you're too close to the ice and it just messes up the, uh, the view for, for, for the fans on TV. And then another big one, Jim, when these events are growing so much and uh, there's so many fans come in for the slams now, we've got to make sure there's enough hotel space in, in the community. So these are all kind of things that are important um, that the venue have. And one thing that the, the Grand Slams do when they come to town, uh, they bring in uh, an economic impact, an average of around $2 million for the weekend that's that's a big deal wow for yeah yeah on, on average sometimes it's more of course uh, to the local uh, community uh national exposure for the town for the sponsors you've got um, about two million viewers between uh cbc and sportsnet and, and then when you get to communities, like in the case of North Bay or Grand Prairie, you have a huge local community getting involved and the local sponsorship communities, which is a big deal also for the companies locally to be able to uh, be involved and really show support for their community. So there's lots of things that come into play when the bidding process happens, but I just wanted to outline a little bit about uh, what's, you know what's needed from the venue and the community point of view, but then what Grand Slam of Curling brings to the community. I think it's important.
0: Okay, thanks a lot to Sports Interaction uh, for sponsoring uh, what's happening around the curling world. Hot Rock topics uh, that we're going to do this week is brought to you by Coyote Tractor. Uh, Coyote Tractor is proud partner of Team Brad Jacobs and Grand Slam of Curling. Coyote, we dig dirt. Uh, so here it is. Most of us in the curling world were shocked and dismayed uh, when Russia. Launched this attack on Ukraine, February twenty fourth, just a few short days after the Olympics, before the Paralympics, and a games where one more time Russia was found guilty of doping, but with no consequence. Uh, in a statement we did on Facebook, uh, you know, we made it clear we do not feel the Russian team should be allowed to participate in any WCF sanctioned events until further notice. Uh, The post, we had an overwhelming number of people uh, who agreed with that uh, announcement. WCF has a number of things to consider, and it seems it certainly is not as easy as simply saying, okay, uh, Russian athletes, you aren't welcome to participate. Here's a quote from well-known German curler Uli Kamp, who put a post on the Facebook site and what he thinks of this entire situation. Quote, thinking of a lot of good-hearted Russian friends I met through my entire curling life, and I feel very sorry. However, cutting away any possibility for Russian athletes to participate in any events might encourage them to speak up against their totally irrational politician. Freedom is never guaranteed. We the people all over the world have to step up if our political class starts running out of control, especially in Europe. We should have learned this lesson more than 80 years ago boy touchy times weren't and very difficult um, for you know anyone to look at this. What do you think about all of it Warren
1: Well yes it's very uh, it's sad times for for the world sad times for sport. Uh, I've been in contact with the World Curling Federation and Curling Canada with regard to their position and what's going to happen here and uh, I can suggest that there's been a lot of discussion going on and I, I'm beginning to understand now what was taking place and they were kind of waiting for the IOC I believe to take the lead which they did this morning. And I will just read the statement that was put up by the IOC Executive Board, which item one says this clearly. In order to protect the integrity of global sports competitions and for the safety of all the participants, the IOC Executive Board recommends that international sports federations and sports event organizers not invite or allow the participation of Russian and Belarusian athletes and officials in international competitions. There's seven other points on this release, but I don't think we need to go into them. That spells out pretty clearly what their position is, and I think all the international bodies that are on the IOC will probably follow suit very shortly. So what I'd expect that the World Curling Federation will probably make a similar announcement sometime today and probably following up to be back, not just by Canadian uh, Curling Canada, but I would imagine by the Canadian government and all the sports federations under its direction. So that looks like that's where it's going. Uh, unfortunate, but uh, there's not much el- mu- not much else that can be done. What are your thoughts, Kevin? Well, yeah, what an unfortunate situation
2: because, you know, obviously you you hate to do anything like this because, you know, you're impacting athletes that had nothing to do with it, obviously. Uh, But um, one thing that's very important is, you know, we talk about the big table discussion all the time. And if at the World Curling Federation, you've got all the various um, countries uh, who agree, then, you know, you you need to make a, a strong stance. And I think that's what the World Curling Federation is about to do which is you know i think that's all they can do and they they need to as quick as possible i think it's really important for all curling or not just all curling groups but all sporting groups around the world to uh, to make these same decisions they're they're not easy decisions but they're ones that have to be made and that's you know that's why these people are in the positions that they're in are to look at a a global situation like this talk to their various associations and and make the call and get it out there as quick as they possibly can
0: thanks very much to coyote tractor for sponsoring uh, hot rock topics and now let's get to mailbag. We get tons of emails uh, brought to you by Nestle Boost. Up your nutrition game with Boost, convenient meal replacement drinks with a taste you're guaranteed to love. Thanks a lot to Nestle Boost. Uh, the mailbag, we have received a email from Carmen Elia. Hey gentlemen, wow. I love listening to the podcast. Thank you for all you do for this amazing sport. I think I came up with something that I haven't heard on the podcast. What do you guys think about the idea of putting in neutral stones on the ice, similar to the power play, that both teams could utilize? They couldn't be used to score points, but to hide behind or run back. Might be an interesting version of the game, she says. Uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Carmen, for those kind words. Uh, Warren, you go first. What do you think? I'm not sure what she's completely <laughs> talking about, by well, the way. Well,
1: so. okay, Jim, we'll, we'll talk about it a It's kind of interesting. I muse about this on occasion. I think uh, I mentioned to Kevin said, you know, I've been thinking maybe – this four-person game could have a little adjustment similar to mixed doubles. What would happen if we started each end in the same way as mixed doubles, uh, with one rock out front in the center line, the other one behind the button and the forefoot, and each team got seven rocks to throw, uh, not eight, and uh, each end, they can decide which player only gets to throw one. That would be an interesting tussle in its own right. So I've mused about this. It may be something interesting to play with, see what happens, see what it does, but... uh, Carmen, it's not something that we haven't thought about. So uh, thanks for your comments, and I'm very interested to see what Kevin thinks of it.
2: Well, you know, this would be a great time to have Ben Hebert on the show, because I think he always thought that he could throw two, but he would have me only throw one. So I think this would be be right up Ben's alley. But um, as far as extra stones in play, uh, Curling International, it was an event that happened in I'd like to say 1995. It was played at West Edmonton Mall, one of the events, and uh, it had rocks in play to start the end. They had X's on them and uh, but where they started, I just couldn't find them. So if Ed Luke, which is listening to this, get a hold of his head. I'd love to know the position of the rocks again. I just can't remember it so many years ago. But we actually played with uh, stones, neutral stones. They were They couldn't count for anybody. And they, they started the end in certain positions, and I just can't remember, so I apologize to everybody. I'll try to find that program because it, it explained it in the program, the Neutral Stones, and I just can't find it. But we've done this before, and that was in the mid-1990s, so uh, interesting, and, and we had a lot of fun with it. Um, but yeah, you know, I just can't remember where it was. But but anyway, it has been tried, and it was a lot of fun. I, I do remember that. But it, where exactly the stones were worn, I do not remember. But I'll try to find out. Anybody who was there at the time, back at West Edmonton in the mid '90s, get a hold of us. Send us an email. I'd love to uh, to hear from you, and if you can remember uh, where those stones were placed before the end started, we'll see if we can get back in another week or two uh, on the show. Uh, to tr- try to, uh, to answer this, but it has been attempted before and it was not a, a failure, actually.
0: Am I confused here or a dummy when I uh, this sounds like a no guard zone? <laughs> or the, I, I, I'm like, how many rocks do you want out there already before you toss one?
2: Yeah, there was all, yeah, it, it was Ed Lukwich's idea. There was Ed Lukwich and Wild Bill Hunter and a fellow by the name of Merv Bodnerchuk. They were the three people running the uh, curling international thing, and, and it was Ed Lukwich's idea. To have these neutral stones and they were put in certain positions and I don't know if they changed every end. I just, I just don't remember, but it was pretty cool. And, uh, but one thing, Jimmy, that you know, I, we should say to everybody out there that we sure appreciate all these emails. You know, when we were Warren back just over two years ago, we started talking about inside curling and the idea of getting people discussing our game. Well, how many emails are we getting every week now? And being able to talk being able to talk about all this stuff, it's so good. Um, so we really appreciate all the emails. Keep them coming because how do you get to discuss all this type of stuff without um, the, the people and the curling fans and the curlers around the world getting in touch with us? Uh,
0: congratulations, Carmen. When we read your email, you're going to get a digital copy of Warren's latest book, uh, Sticks and Stones. So if we read your email, you'll get a copy of that as well. So uh, thank you very much to Nestle Boost for sponsoring the mailbag. Uh, We really appreciate it. Okay, we step away for a second, but don't you go away when we come back. Uh, We're going to talk to, well, nobody knows who he is. Are you kidding me? Everyone knows who he is. Nick Olympic gold medalist, is going to join us. In the house with our guests is brought to you by goldline goldline curling equipment can be found in pro shops and curling stores all around the world plus their retail stores in calgary london scarborough mississauga and they've got two stores in ottawa goldline can be found at every grand slam of curling event and online anytime goldlinecurling.com our guest today okay we're we're gonna get them to come on for about 15 or 20 minutes if i started to read what he's accomplished Kevin and Warren in curling and uh, ran the whole list through it would take an hour and a half okay of what he's accomplished <laughs> congratulations he's at the door there he is knocking come on in your reigning olympic gold medalist Nick Adeen. how are you Nick hi it's good to be back I'm
3: super well thank you I'm a little bit tired but uh we're getting a couple of days off after a lot of attention that we're not quite used to so been uh, super fun but now i'm gonna just rest for a little while
0: yeah i bet you are um congratulations of course on winning the gold uh you're a multi-time medalist at the olympics and and world champion and european champion grand slam guy you've been to so many uh playoffs in the grand slams obviously uh here's an understatement that you're pretty competitive were, were you always competitive, Nick, when you when you started out as a kid? Uh, what, what was life like? It, it, it seems you must have just beat everyone, every sport that you were ever in.
3: Uh, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, it was a thrill, obviously, winning after a lot of uh, years trying. Um, and yeah, I've uh, probably been a lot worse uh, than I am now at the competitiveness. When I was a kid, I, I kind of tried to win everything I participated in, yes. Now I kind of try to focus a little bit more on <laughs> what is actually important. So staying away from uh, board games and the competitiveness of, uh, of that level or, or that kind. But uh, yeah, I've always been very, very competitive and always trying my best to win. And then uh, all, all included finding different ways to win, I think. So trying a lot of different things uh, that can maybe help me kind of reach my personal goal
0: long term. What, what have you done since you won the gold? Take us through your schedule over the last few weeks. Yeah,
3: um, instantly after, uh, we got um, probably an hour and a half of media. And then the next hour and a half was doping control, just sitting and waiting and then doing that stuff. And then uh, it was already time for the bronze medal game. So we went up uh, upstairs in that arena uh, to watch the uh, Swedish women team play for the bronze, which uh, was... Uh, super happy for them that they uh, they won the the bronze and kind of redeemed themselves uh, after a, a tough loss in the semis there so it was a lot of uh, a lot of media a lot of uh, curling and just uh, stayed in the arena until uh, 11 p.m and then had to go back to do the traveling pcr test uh, and then uh, probably stayed up most of the night i think i fell asleep at like 5 a.m <laughs> in the morning so a lot of uh, messages a lot of uh, happy feelings and, and also I don't know, just enjoying the moment, kind of uh, a lot of relief also was uh, at least what I felt there who had tried a lot of a uh, lot of times and not succeeded in, in this particular event. So a lot of relief. So I kind of just felt like if, I, I wouldn't fall asleep anyways if I would have tried to go to bed too early. So uh, And then uh, the next few days, it was uh, obviously a lot of media and stuff, but also trying to just uh, let the feeling sink in and just be proud and happy of what we achieved and then traveling back pretty shortly after as well so i got back to sweden got celebrated uh um, from uh, like our community and our curling club and uh, the swedish curling association Uh, so a lot of activities fun ones but also very tiring um so the next uh, couple of days we just tried to kind of take some time off and, and just let it sink in so that we can actually just start enjoying uh, being Olympic champions, which feels fantastic. And now we're kind of back to Swedish time also. So got rid of the jet lag and travel and and all that. So um, starting to feel really, really uh, fun and uh, great to to, uh, have won that event finally. And just uh, super thrilled for everyone that has been around our team also and kind of helping and hoping and sacrificing their time and effort so that we can do what we do so uh yeah really happy uh, it's basically the only feeling i'm feeling right now
2: um olympic champion so that's the life-changing stuff um that, that you're going to have fun with and have to deal with um i'd love to ask you your thoughts i, I know you're you're really a really cerebral guy and and you think about what happens next and where this leads your sport in Sweden. Because you and I talked um, maybe, maybe two, three months ago before the Olympics um, about the sport in Sweden and and you're wanting to grow it. So now obviously you're the, you're the king of curling in Sweden, clearly. How are you going to grow it? Like what, what's in your, your mind as far as like, what's next? I know you have the world championships coming up right away again. So you're back on the ice, but I mean more in the back of your mind with what you've accomplished now and what that can do for the sport in your home country.
3: Uh, Thank you so much, Kevin. And uh, yeah, obviously, this is a huge uh, opportunity for us. And uh, I think um, so far, the the first kind of step is uh, to go to those world championships in in Vegas and try to defend our titles. We're going to try and stay very focused on that, even though we're going to take some time off here to just uh, charge batteries and, and kind of want to curl again <laughs> but um, right after that obviously we've got a big decision to make do we continue for another olympics or where do we go from here uh, that's a big team decision obviously so we uh, all four uh, have got to say their uh, opinion and, and speak their minds about the the upcoming four years and kind of hard to hard to make a decision without hearing everyone's opinion and uh, maybe everything has been good and we just continue or maybe we need to change something for that to happen or maybe also the, the time just four years maybe it's not uh, super easy for everyone to commit uh, four years um, at a time so uh, we'll just see what uh, what that meeting brings and and what the world championship brings also but uh, longer terms than that obviously we have a huge chance now with uh, anna's team winning the, the olympics four years ago and now we uh, won this time and we got a couple more medals as well for curling so obviously now it's a big hype in sweden uh, as big as it can be i guess we we, we don't have a, a ton of uh, curling uh, knowledge and, and um, experience in, in sweden in general but i think now a lot of people watch it on tv again um big hype last time too but i think this one will be even bigger because uh, we just had more curling and it was uh, the, the most successful olympics um for Sweden on, on the winter side ever uh, with 18 medals so huge Olympics for for Swedish sports and uh, so I, I think the first step would probably be to kind of get more kids to start curling I think that that's always the first step in curling I, I know we have uh, a lot of curlers that have been around for their whole lives and, and that's awesome but at the same time they're not going to be around forever so we need new young that uh, wanting to try the sport and then we need more people working for and with curling uh, as well we, we don't have a ton of people that can help out with uh, practices and, and uh, leagues and stuff like that and kind of uh, take care of all the people that wants to try curling so we need uh, everyone on board uh, that we can get and uh, we could be a big part of that obviously so Uh, Try try and get more kids interested would be the first step for sure. Maybe start some sort of camp uh, and then kind of see where that leads. If there's a big interest, then maybe it could lead to more of them. And then maybe going around uh, schools or uh, do some sort of online session uh, to talk about curling with whoever wants to learn or wants to progress and then see where that leads. So I think uh, we just got to basically start somewhere. And then I think a lot of it will just fall into place when... uh, if they know it's available and we get better at doing it.
2: Well, I think you are definitely and I'll let Warren in, in just one second. One more thing, just your tenacity and 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 a drive to success um, thing. Then not one thing that just just jumps out at me off the page when I look at uh, at your uh, curling uh, career is your first Olympics. And you and I played each other in, in the semi. In Vancouver, uh, you came in fourth, and then the next Olympics, you miss the run back. I, I love going over these things. <laughs> miss the run back, and you end up way hitting-
0: to remind him, Kevin. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you, you come on our show; you, you're still the king. I know, but but we got to be able to bring you down to earth a little bit. Uh, and then the run back, you get the bronze, and then of course the silver. But somebody over all these years, and this is really important, I think, when it comes to drive getting kids into the sport, is somebody like you, who fourth to third to second, and now finally with the gold. Um, that takes a lot of years, and that's a heck of a lot of fighting and scrapping and trying to get to the top, and now you're you here at the top, and what a story for kids, for a person who will just fight and scrap to get to the, the ultimate goal.
3: Yeah, definitely. It's... Uh kind of a a fairy tale really uh, now that we actually did win it if we would have uh, finished second again or something it wouldn't have uh, been nearly as nice to kind of have that fourth third second and then not win it but now that we won it it kind of felt like uh like we're kind of living a movie in a way uh but yeah it's uh it's actually um feeling better because of that i think because we we tried a few times before and i wouldn't say failed because we've probably played the best curling we ever have in in the 14 olympics and the 18 olympics and we not to be cocky or anything but i think we we were millimeters literally from being able to win both of those so um it it could have been way better but it could also have been a heck of a lot worse Uh, and i think we learned a lot along the way and maybe this time that's the reason we won uh, because we've learned and we've Kind of, we've won other championships so we know how to do it uh, but in this specific uh, event that only runs every four years and coming in as uh, favorites or joint favorites it, it's a different beast for sure uh, especially when you have uh, a lot of success and you have a lot of pressure uh, on your shoulders and then you're playing for so many more people than you're used to we're used to kind of representing ourselves in a our club and maybe the country a little bit and in curling terms, but but now is literally the whole world watching. So it's it's a different beast and, and obviously knowing how tough it is not to reach the ultimate goal. Um so I think we just really, really wanted it uh, so badly that we were never gonna let anything get in our ways, so to speak. So we we kinda of felt like obviously both the semifinal and final, they were so close we could easily have not one uh one or both of those last two games if it would have been a bronze against one of those teams in the playoffs too Uh but i think w- what we did really well was that we really controlled everything that we could control so even if the the scoreboard was always close and the teams chasing us were always close or even ahead of us but we kind of always had things under control i felt in, in the semis and the final we all those years of uh um, knowing we don't want to lose again in the final that came together and we just played um, almost perfect curling i would say um so I'm, I'm not sure we would have been able to pull that off if we would have uh, done better or got better results earlier Then i think uh, maybe uh, both gushu and and moat's team they would have been too strong maybe uh, but now i just think we uh, we, we kind of just wanted it so badly that we we uh, forced ourselves to control everything we could out there. And it just worked our way.
1: Congratulations again, Nick. And I'd I'd like to take you back to Beijing for a moment. And I know you had a lot of exciting times there, but one stands out in my mind that I want to talk to you about. And that was the semifinal game against Canada. In the 10th end, Brad Gushu has an opportunity to tie the game by drawing in and counting one fairly easy to do. Or he has the option of trying a fairly long run back to potentially get two. And he makes a decision to play the run back and, of course, doesn't make it and the game is over. As you were standing there watching him make that decision, what were you thinking? Would you like to have seen him play the draw and go the extra end or were you happy to see him play the run through?
3: Thank you, Warren. Um, I think that, yeah, that's been a big uh, topic for a lot of curlers. And uh, I, I think for most of the players, um kind of being at that level in in that sort of game um especially against teams like grushu or moat or us um if he would have drawn for one we would have been thrilled because then we kind of know we have a huge chance uh statistically to to win the game and and we have it in our own hands it's in our control when he kind of makes that call to and he made it quick too so there was no indecision in his mind whatsoever um so so I think the draw for one wasn't a gimme it was almost the same as he did but he kind of it was a little bit tighter he had to play it a little bit more perfectly so maybe he didn't see that as an absolute guarantee and he also knows that he will be very close on that run back like he would almost 100 percent of the time he would make contact with the second rock and then it's kind of about hitting about half for two, but he could also make make it roll in, which he almost did for one, and he still gets this uh, extra end. So I think uh, at that level in that situation, I, I think you kind of have to go for the run. I, I for sure would have wanted to play the same shot.
1: Yeah, it's kind of interesting how things have changed, haven't they, over the years? The fact that that's the way people will approach it now, rather than taking the one and going the extra end.
3: Yeah, and I think uh, looking at the statistics, um, I, I don't know exactly what they are um, for for our team or for top ten teams. Say um, I know overall, if you look at all the teams, it wouldn't be nearly as high. It would be something like seventy five percent or so, maybe uh, on the men's side. Um, but looking at the top ten teams, especially on good ice conditions, especially when you kind of when, when you've had had so much preparation and so much info on rocks and ice and you've played so many games going into a a last end or an extra end in in that type of event, I I think um, to beat Moat or Gushu or us um, without hammering an extra, you would be maybe four or five percent.
1: You're going to the Worlds in Las Vegas and the World Curling Federation announced earlier in the year they were going to introduce three new rules, a no tick zone. No extra ends and round robin, and uh, a timing limitation uh, in the in all the games. But they've pulled two of those things back: the timing one and no extra ends isn't going to happen in Vegas, but the no tick rule is going to be in force. What do you think about that?
3: I'm very glad they didn't um, keep all of the rules in there. I think that was uh, that would have been a big mistake. I think. Um, too many different factors if you want to change something you kind of want to change it to to improve the sport Uh, but if you change all at once I'm I'm, I'm not really sure how to kind of analyze that afterwards what was good uh, what was bad what, what made the difference and and if it becomes better well was all of it better or just one thing or like I think you kind of have to try them Uh, one at a time and i I think you also need to let some things take its time it's not too long ago that we switched to five rock rule and um like changing something big like time for example per end uh we've tried that before and i don't think it's had any success to be honest uh i I don't think uh, we're ready for that uh not with the five rock rule at least uh but the no tick zone um Or no tick um, rule, I think um, makes more and more sense. I think it's just uh, becoming a little bit too easy to play the tick shot. It's becoming too favorable for the team with hammer, uh, especially later stages of the game. Uh, So I think uh, the better the teams are uh, getting at it, the more they're going to use it uh and, and the more boring finishes we get to games that are close on the scoreboard but uh in in not in theory but like practically they are already over because they're, they're the chances of stealing against the top team that uh, they, they don't even really have to make the ticks to be huge favorites uh but if they make both tick shots that the game is very very close to one already so so it doesn't make for great TV or great comebacks or anything like that so I think that's a good rule to try. Uh, I'm I'm glad that's the only rule they want to try, though.
0: Nick, uh, before we let you go, uh, you know, we've had a number of guests on, uh, including, you know, a bunch of Canadian curlers. And through all those interviews we've done with those uh, curlers, uh, men and women, they often talk about uh, not having uh, too much of a say with Curling Canada, that they would like to have, quote-unquote, a seat at the table to make decisions about sponsorship, cresting, uh, how much money, uh, funding, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we always get that response that, that they, they, they need to be able to have some sort of input with Curling Canada. How much input do you have in Sweden and how does it work over there, Nick? Uh, do they consult you about these things and do you do you get to talk about that and, and bring up things like money, cresting, sponsorship, schedule, et cetera?
3: Um, yeah, I, I would say that was a very hot talk- topic for our team uh, a few years ago. And then we, we really just uh, insisted we have to have a say in it. It's, it's just not fair to not let the teams have a say in it. Like if we're wearing logos on championships and stuff like that, then we kind of need to know who they're going to be and that they are companies that we can we can represent. <laughs> and and um, money also, like we, we're doing a job going there, so... For sure, it it has to be um, a good situation for both parts. We're we're working together, not against each other. So it's just, uh, it can't be a situation where one benefits a lot from the other um, whilst we're both doing uh, a good job. We we definitely have had a fair share share of um, discussions back and forth for, I would say, 15 years probably. Uh, But Especially in the last few years, we have really starting to started to come to terms with uh how it should be and we're, we're having a a lot more say in it now um especially in terms of uh kind of letting them uh, know our schedule and then they try to work with us so um we, we play nationals every year that's kind of in the contract that we have to play nationals, but they the curling association always try to find a good gap that fits into our schedule so uh, we would never be forced to play it if it's during another huge event that we feel we have to play uh, they, they would work with us for as long as it it's possible uh, and then same thing for us we would we would try to work with them and try to attend everything we can as long as it's possible
0: uh well done Nick uh, thanks very much for coming on congratulations again on the olympic gold um what, what what's next are, are you going to keep racking up medals here left and right you probably need a bigger house to to keep them all in. You're certainly not going to retire, are you? I'm
3: not sure, to be honest.
0: I can't really see myself
3: quitting in, in some time yet. I think my career, uh, it's kind of long if you look at years. <laughs> but at the same time, I had almost a decade of um, injuries and surgeries almost every year. So I kind of feel part of that decade, uh, which just uh, recovering and kind of like, mentally um, overcome a lot of um, surgeries and injuries and mentally also the the lack of training and lack of competing at the level I really wanted to I, I kind of with that competitive mindset I, I want to do the best I can I want to train every day if I can and I want to do all I can to be as good as I can uh, for my team also uh, so a lot of those years just kind of Eh, I don't know they, they kind of slowed me down a bit in in a way that I definitely didn't like but at the same time now 10 years later and fairly free from injuries I, I feel that I've maybe saved my, my body in, in a lot of ways too both physically and mentally I kind of have a few more years saved up that I can now uh, put on curling instead and I think I'm I'm a smarter curler now than I used to be and I train smarter, uh, definitely not harder. Uh, nowhere near as much as I used to train, um, but I definitely train smarter, and I kind of tried to make uh, every session I do um, that I, I try to make it count.
0: Uh, congratulations, Nick, to you. Congratulations to Sweden. Uh, I, I'm sure you must, you know, be overwhelmed with what's going on and celebrating this, and and uh, you you must be very proud for what you accomplished, and and I bet your country is very proud of you. So. Uh, well done Nick uh, congratulations again and thanks for coming on and we'll talk to you again soon we want to get you on a lot take it easy Nick thanks you too
1: hey thanks a lot Nick thanks Nick good luck in Vegas
3: thank you so much
0: Okay, it's time for uh, tales from Kevin Martin. We call it story time, uh, and they've been great, Kev. Uh, We really love them. It is brought to you by Meridian. Meridian Manufacturing, your industrial and on-farm storage and handling partners, and they're a proud sponsor of the Grand Slam of Curling, which you just heard the schedule and a bunch of events coming up. Uh, Kev, another story from your past, and we love these. Uh, What do you got for us?
2: Well, you know, I... Uh, I was wondering what exactly to talk about, but I think the Brad Gushu situation where um, he played, he didn't have to play his provincials, but he played the trials and then the course, of the Olympics and a uh, very, very stressful situation. They're obviously trying to get on the podium, but then coming back now and going to play the briar. And so it doesn't happen all the time where teams play in the Olympic games and then come back and play their national championships almost never actually, but we did in, uh, in 92 when, uh, we actually, there wasn't an Olympic trials though, back then. It was actually the winner of the Briar in 1991, uh, and I was in Hamilton, got to go to the 92 Olympics. So we had that long break. We were team Canada for many, many months, but then we had, we played provincial. The provincials i think we played mike Vavrick for the second year in a row in that provincial uh 91 i think within was in lethbridge and in 92 i believe was in leduc alberta so not too far from home we played the provincials mike should have won that one by the way he uh, goofed up in nine or he, he should have won it uh, but anyways we ended up winning it and then we had to take off right away to elberville france compete in the Olympic Games. And back then, you guys, we, we didn't walk in the opening ceremony or, or the close. It would depend on your event, if it was the last half of the Olympics or the, the first half. So we flew in, the Olympics had already kind of started, and then we competed, and then we were in the closing ceremony. So that was kind of the difference then. But it was extremely stressful, of course. It was the first Olympics for us. Uh, I, was, I was just a kid. I was uh, geez, 25, I think, at the time and we ended up we played the olympics ended up in fourth place didn't get on the podium um but then sean and i uh we ended up because we had to come back and, and play in the briar we actually just went to geneva which wasn't too far from elverville and ended up spending um whatever amount of time there was i think it was like a week or a short week uh there and then flew directly to regina for for the briar we didn't get home like we didn't actually go home between the two events there wasn't time so we were just a mess tired wise it was incredible uh exciting but, but incredible and then we walk into of course the regina briar well it's an upside down briar because it's curling country <laughs> a huge party and 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 a tough field and uh but i wanted to talk a little bit about dan petrick he was on our team back then a, just a terrific sweeper at the time there's probably in sweet and in, in curling at that time there was dan petrick and wayne madaw were probably your two best male sweepers back then and in the 92 briar we're running out of gas of course and uh we get Into the last round robin game, playing the late great Vic Peters, and uh, Vic was on fire uh, that event. But we have a tap, we have an out turn tap. I can picture it absolutely clear as a bell right now. And uh, if if we get by and make the little tap, we're going to be on the button, and we're going to steal one. We're going to be one up going home. The winner of that game got a bye with hammer to the final which was back then there was no free guard zone jimmy everybody could just rip all the rocks forever so hammer to start the game really really mattered anyway we're coming by the guard and it's really tight dan is sweeping as hard as he possibly can and at the guard his handle of his broom snaps in half and he goes, <laughs> di- nope, he goes down on the ice. This is the ninth end. Goes down on the ice like a sack of potatoes because it just crack. You could hear the crack of the broom. It was a wooden handle back then. There wasn't carbon fiber or anything. It smashed down on the ice, but the rock didn't seem to change. It didn't seem to, to waver. So I thought, oh, man, he missed it. And then the rock ended up exactly perfect. All right. Dan says, no, you know what? I think I hit it. And I go, are you sure? Because like, I was watching. It didn't seem like it change course at all. He said, no, no, no. I think I felt it on my back when I fell. So I, he said, no, we got to take it off. So, all right, tug it off. Vic draws for two games over. We play in the semi without hammer against Russ Howard's team with Wayne Madonna. We shot 92 and they shot 96 and, and we're gone. And then Vic Peters actually won the final against Russ. But anyway, the story with the broken broom and sweeping and just the honesty of players in our sport. We went to the truck, and back then it it was frame by frame, uh, like it was on video, tape, like, like tape, so we could see how far the rock would go every frame, and it went a certain distance, certain distance, certain distance, and then all of a sudden, after Dan hit it, the rock went further in a frame. So sure enough, he did just barely Touch it with maybe just a little bit of the fabric of his jacket, enough to push the rock a little bit faster. So Dan made the right call. But anyway, interesting story in uh, in, in 92, where we played the Olympics, come back, played the briar on fumes. But we ended up making the uh, in, in the semi and could have quite easily made the briar other than a, a broken broom because Dan swept so darn hard, but, but it was tiring. I remember Dan was completely wasted and I, I finished the briar. I, I always weigh about 210 pounds. I finished that briar at 167. So just ripped the heck out of you. Like how many pounds is that 50? You lost 43 pounds in one briar? <laughs> 43 pounds, not in the briar, but at the between all the stuff going into the Olympics, all the travel, the Olympics. The briar. Oh, yeah. I was nothing left of me. It was tough. You,
0: you should could- write a diet book. You could come up with a freaking <laughs> exercise The curling plan. diet.
2: Just pour the stress onto a poor guy. That's exactly. So that's when, when you guys, so everybody in the curling world, when Brad Gushu comes back and he puts on a brave face at this briar, he's been through the ringer. And we'll see how he plays. Like, we played pretty good in the 92 prior, but I just remember being so tired. And just, I couldn't. There was just nothing left. And, and for all of 93, I just didn't really get my stride back until 94. It just takes, really takes a toll.
0: Good stuff, man. Uh, well done, Kevin. Uh, we're going to get people, they want more heck survey stories. So we going to do that down the road. Uh, so there you go. Uh, great show, uh, fellas. Uh, we love to hear from everyone. As you said, uh, get all of us inside curling at... Uh, gmail.com. We're reaching out to curling clubs if you want to do a zoom call. Uh, we've done a bunch of those and maybe we can set one up with you. Thanks a lot to Rod Paulson and his company In House Strategies. Uh, he's the guy who does all our great work on Facebook and our Facebook group. Warren, your new book Sticks and Stones, uh, is out on the market, so everyone can get that. Uh, And we give away one to uh, our email each and every week uh, if your email is read. So nice little prize. Uh, Great show, boys. Again, we'll be back next week with another episode of Inside Curling. Everyone take it easy. It's Briar Week, baby. What more do you want? This will be fantastic. Talk to you later, fellas.
1: Hey, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim.